Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of the Mental Sweet Spot podcast, Learn From Our Mistakes, the lessons we've learned along the way about coaching the mental game. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. I'm Melanie Rushing, and I'll be joined shortly by my business partner, Alicia Smith, to share our strategies and tips for how you can implement the mental game this season. If you're a podcaster turner, thank you so much for joining us again. This episode is part two of our mini-series focused on you and how you can coach mental toughness just like we have. In this episode, we share the ways we didn't coach the mental game well and how we learned and evolved along the way. So for those of you out there who are still working on it, we get it. We discuss what we used to do or not do for the mental game, spending time finding resources to share with our girls, how Alicia's notebook started and how they evolved through the years, fitting it all into practice, blending mental and physical, making adjustments mid-season, and working through frustration by leaning on our support system. Stick with us through the end to get today's bonus. We want to help you start building your resources bank with our top 10 resources list. We've included books, podcasts, and TED Talks to give you a variety of options to start with. Before we get to the show, I'd like to share a little more about our free webinar. This episode is brought to you by our free webinar, Offense Wins Games, Defense Wins Championships, The Mental Game Wins Life. How to lead a program that develops resilient, dedicated, impactful young women both on and beyond the field. If you can set aside some time to join us, we'd love to share with you how to build a program like this with our three proven secrets. We'll take you through them one by one and show you how we've used them with our teams so you can begin to imagine the same success for you and your team. Full disclosure, this is a sales webinar. These three secrets are what inspired us to create the Mental Sweet Spot Academy for softball coaches. So if you're at all interested in learning about this opportunity to coach the mental game more efficiently and effectively, please join us. Simply head to mentalsweetspot.com forward slash webinar to sign up. Now let's get back to the show. All right. So today I want to get into how you and I started and how we did not do this very well (laughs) in the beginning. Not at all. I want you to start way back before the notebooks and what you were doing for the mental game, whether it was purposefully or not, to help your girls get more confident, focused, etc. Well, I, I definitely don't think I was. And I think, you know, when I look back before, um, before my sports psych class that I took before the master's degree and before the notebooks, um, you know, my conversations with my team or my girls might just be something like, Hey, you need to be more focused or, you know, come on, you guys are good. Be confident, you know, um, just talking to them about it. Right. But never showing them the how and not even understanding myself, uh, because I never had that experience as a player, never understanding really what they were thinking or how to, you know, work with them on it. So, um, although it's been so long now, I can't believe I ever coached that way, to be honest, but, um, I wasn't, I wasn't teaching the mental game other than just trying to tell them to focus, for example. Right. And I don't mean to bring this up like a, well, you should have been doing it, but the point is like, it happens all the time to us coaches. Like we have the best intentions and we think we're talking about it. Maybe you're pulling kids aside and having a a deeper talk about why they're not confident. That's all awesome and it's a good start. But then at the end of the day, you leave the kid and they're like, well, how do I do it? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like that was me when I was a player. Like everyone knew I (laughs) had mental game issues. (laughs) Everyone knew I needed to work on it. And like my dad, all my coaches, everyone. Oh, my God. Even once. (sighs) I'm so embarrassed by this still. A scout came up to the dugout when I was pouting after a bat and <laughs> tried to get tried so so sweetly to get through to me. Like, you shouldn't 
be so hard on yourself. It's not that big of a deal. And I was like, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like, you'd think that would snap me out of it. Nope, none of it. So as well-intentioned as we are, we need to have that how. It's like it's like telling a kid, hey, you're pulling your head off the ball when you swing. Okay. <laughs> so how do I keep my head on the ball? It's not like I'm trying to fly my friend's shoulder open. It's the same thing with the mental game. Did you see that with your girls? Oh, I did. Because if you if you see something physically wrong, there's a drill to work on it, right? Or a drill to try to fix it. I mean, that's what we do as coaches. You know, you're not, you're not seeing the, you're not seeing the ball into your glove when you're fielding it. You're keeping your head up and okay. So there's a lot of different drills out there on how to work, keeping your head down. Right. So there's always something out there that we want to, you know, that we find or want to find or try to find to help fix your girls physically. Right. And, or to help them physically fix, maybe not be the right word, but you just really want to help them physically. So then when you, when you find those things mentally, you're kind of lost right on, on what to say and what to do. And, you know, I've had a lot of those conversations with my kids before exact same thing, you know, don't be so on yourself, you know, but without having the right tools, you know, to help them through that, those emotions and, and process that it's, it's not teaching the mental part of the game. And that's what was so eye opening for me when I took that course, which, you know, we've talked about many times is that that's the piece that's been missing in my coaching. So, so then I became very passionate on trying to find, find the how, you know, and, and doing a lot of research on my own and, and trying things and, and obviously meeting you and speaking with you with all the things that, that we had implemented before. It's like, it takes a lot of time though, right. To, to try to find this information, but, um, I was very passionate about it and saw, saw the results, I think with my kids. And I think a lot of the people who are listening here, who are in our Facebook group, like they have that passion. Like that's why there are people. They right. want to help their players in any way possible. So they're trying to teach themselves these mental skills and how to get through. So you spent eight years doing notebooks and I would say you've got the process down now. But when you showed me the notebook, what, three years ago, four years ago now, I was yeah. like, whoa, there's so much in here. <laughs> <laughs> on earth did you find the time to not only find the resources but then to pick which ones your team needed when um there was definitely a lot of extra time spent you know especially in the first few years trying to find that information because like you mentioned there's a lot of resources out there and sometimes you can almost get overwhelmed right with the amount of books and you know even some books are so thick you couldn't even possibly get through a book you know even in a season so it just um I was very dedicated to it, you know, and, and I really wanted my kids to have the right, uh, the right article for the day, the right quote for the day, the right, you know, eventually podcast for the day. So I would spend a lot of time trying to think, okay, what do I feel like they need right now? Is it something to, to be uh, centered around focus or are they lacking confidence or are we having a problem, uh, practicing or playing under pressure or, you know, what things are so I would spend to spend a lot of time trying to find the right thing. So, um, you know, a few years into it, you do have an idea of what resources, you know, you've looked at in the past, but you still have to take the time to dig through those books to find that exact, you know, chapter or that exact verbiage that you're looking for to try to communicate to your team. And then over the you know last few years, uh, podcasts become very, very uh, popular. So I, uh, during softball season, I, uh, 
have a lot of time in the car. Well, actually, I have a lot of time in the car all the time. So an hour commute to work one way. So I would spend a lot of time finding podcasts that way. Um, in those two hours of quote unquote free time that I have in the car, which isn't really free time, but I would just spend time trying to find podcasts based around sports psychology and hunt for a title that might sound interesting and then listen to it on the way to work and then say, okay, this is a good podcast for that time. Or I would kind of have like a bank of podcasts for a future reference if I ever needed to, but it's definitely taking an enormous amount of time trying to find the right information. Absolutely. I totally with you. And I, I love learning. I love books. I love finding new resources. But then at a certain point in the season, you're like, uh, I don't have time. So, right. <laughs> right. So what did you do to implement all that good stuff you found? How did you implement it daily? I would, um, start making sure, especially early on, I would just uh, have time set aside for uh, notebooks in the actual practice plan, for example. So I have changed kind of what I've done from experience. Again, I used to do it at the end of practice every day. Um, so, but then clearly it made more sense to uh, do it at the beginning. So we would often talk, uh, the first part of practice would often be about the day before, whether it's uh, a, the game before, the day before a game, um, excuse me, the day after a game, we would talk about, uh, you know, what can we improve on and things like that. And then what we're going to do for practice for the day and the reasons why. And then we would sit down and talk about notebooks. Um, but as you know, the notebooks evolved, I definitely thought it was more important to do before mm -hmm. so we could have a specific focus for practice that day. Um, but it was always a dedicated line item, so to speak in the <laughs> practice plan, but basically it's taken the time to set aside for it. And, um, I, I never, or I used to not do as, as good of a job sticking to the practice plan mm. time-wise. And I would often go over as many as a half an hour Ooh, yeah. uh, or as much as a half hour. So it's like, okay, my kids uh, from four to seven for a high school practice is a little bit long. So, um, the last three years I've made a dedicated effort to always be done at 630. And it was actually, um, one of the comments made from one of my team leaders, you know, they said, you know, coach. And I said, you know, that's a really good point. You know, you don't need to be here any longer than that. Two and a half hours is plenty and you have other things to consider. So, uh, such as school, uh, and other things that are more important. So I think that that's, that's the hard part too, is not want, not wanting to continue to go over when you think things aren't going well. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. My <laughs> poor girls at Kalamazoo the first year. <laughs> I was like stubborn. I'm like, no, this is important. We're going to you're add the hours. You should be dedicated. And then they were like, oh, poor things. Oh, oh I know. Especially in I the know. winter quarter when they're coming from labs, they've got exams. And like, I add an extra 45 minutes of mental training on to practice. <laughs> Bless their hearts. They really, they push through. <laughs> Exactly. How they weren't like fire this lady. She's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's that it's always that feeling we've talked about before is that you just feel like you're not getting everything in that you need to. And you start, you start panicking and you just overdo it. And I think that's where I, you know, well, and so I would extend practice to 630. So what well, we got to do the notebooks, 630 to seven. So those are the types of things that I learned over, over the course of practice. Many years experiences that, you know what, it, it's fine. You know, there's always that two and a half hours for practice from start to finish is plenty that, but that includes notebooks and it includes the cleanup of the field and things like that. So they were, they're still getting everything that they need as long as your practice plan is very organized and dedicated to a specific topic or a specific area of, of skill work that day. Mm 
How much time do you spend on notebooks each day? Um, anywhere in 15 to 20 minutes now. Um, so it's not, it's not uh, an extended period of time. You know, um, like I said, it's a, usually a very short, uh, excerpt to read, uh, an article, um, or a short podcast. If the podcast is going to be longer than 10 minutes to listen to, I'll have them do it as homework, you know, um, that definitely they can do that at home, but, um, it, it's not this long extended, you know, hour and a half part of the, if you do that job of integrating it into your doing in practice. That's why I think doing the notebooks in the beginning is so important. Um, it's integrated in what you're doing. So it's not a separate thing that you have to do every day. It's, it's a, it's a quick conversation. The kids get to share their experiences and talk about it. And then we move on to practice, but it's structured. Yeah. I think that was one piece I was missing was that we would do a segment for mental training and then switch gears into practice right and i noticed that the it just was a disconnect that they were understanding the materials and they were getting mental skills and they were learning and growing but then mid-season when it starts to shift and things get busy i noticed they weren't as strong as they could have been i think that was the problem was the integration into practice part Oh yeah, exactly. And I can tell you earlier when I, when I started doing the notebooks, it wasn't as apparent, you know what I mean? It was a, it was a, almost a separate thing mm-hmm. and switching gears to the physical side without the integration into the drills. Mm-hmm. Can you give an example of how you would do a notebook topic for the first 20 minutes and then weave it right into the drills for that day? One of my favorite games is called the 100 point game. So you take your team and you divide it up into, you know, three equal teams. Um, they're separate, but yet they're working together. So uh, they're under time and pressure. So you have to have a time limit set. Um, we usually started with about 20 minutes. Um, and there's a coach front tossing to the players um, from a pretty close distance. Uh, and the rules are basically for every, every base you touch after the hit is a point. Um, defense has to play defense, though. So if they um, accidentally let a ball go through, for example, so the runner um, gets to first base, then there's a point taken away. So they have to really focus. They have to communicate. They have to really focus when they're tired because obviously when they get closer to the end of the game, they've been running around. They have to adjust very quickly during the, during the uh, drill. They have to adjust from offense to defense quickly and just stay really mentally focused for a good 20 minutes um, but yet still work together as a team. And there's also the competition part that's included into that. So what could be an example of another resource or mental skill you could teach right before that? Just if you had to pick one for a 20 minute session. That drill for sure uh, brings out a lot of different mental skills, but I think my favorite one or the one I would really focus on would be focus, right? Because they have to focus on um, when they're tired, they have to focus uh, on different aspects of the game. They have to, figure out how to transition very quickly, all, all in a period of uh, 20 minutes. Uh, and they don't, they don't get a break. You know, there's no, there's not a mental break when they're um, shifting from offense to defense. So it's a, it's, and it's also putting them under pressure. So they have to kind of focus um, under all sorts of different situations um, that are stressful uh, and without any breaks. Yeah. I love that drill. And like you said, you can use it for any of the mental skills, which is awesome. Right. So a lot of this stuff 
is great for the beginning of season when you have more time to plan and implement it and you can kind of go through that that structure of which skills you want to cover first but what about mid-season what are Mm -hmm. some of the challenges you faced when you have to make adjustments I think the challenge is just in the word adjustment, right? Because nothing ever goes according to plan. Um, And as the season progresses, your team, you don't know where your team is going to be, right? In three weeks or in five weeks. Um, And also you're trying to prepare them for the end goal, which in our case is always postseason. So um, sometimes they might be not progressing as quickly as you had hoped or thought they could um, or vice versa. Maybe they're progressing faster than what you thought uh, they were going to. So you could learn to, you have to adjust and figure out different ways to challenge them. Maybe if they're growing faster than what you expected. Um, It's almost always the case where um, they're usually not progressing as quickly as maybe you had originally planned. Mm -hmm. So I think that for that one, um, you just have to take a step back and look at what maybe do they need the most. Almost always, I would say, is confidence. So how do we continue to build their confidence in, in the midseason? So you might you might have to con- change up your practice plan. You might have to change up drills that you're doing. You might have to take a step back and work a little bit more on fundamentals to maybe get their confidence back and just kind of adjust the way that you do things in practice based on, you know, how they're playing. Mm-hmm. I think that was always my biggest issue is <laughs> I had these grand plans and I'm an optimist, so I always plan <laughs> yes. way too much. <laughs> And then we get to the point where I'm like, oh, we're not reaching those goals. And then I just feel deflated and don't continue the way I should. Right. And it's it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get frustrated because Lord knows, you know, it was clear was really documented during the season. Sometimes my frustration level got pretty high, too, because they weren't where they. But I think internally I was just frustrated with myself as a coach because I wasn't I didn't feel like I was doing the job that I needed to in order to, to get them where I thought they should be at that time. Um, but it's okay. You just have to work to adjust and try to figure out uh, what, do, what do they need and how do you, and how do you help them? And I think we, we talked a lot about just asking them, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause they'll tell you. And I think that once, once I learned to really get their feedback helped me kind of sit back and say, it's okay that we're not where I thought we should be but it's okay to adjust. It's adjust your practice plan every, uh, every day, even if you have to, but you don't have to go according to plan because the plan doesn't always go the way you think it should. Mm-hmm. So in those moments of frustration, when things are not going as planned and you're trying to figure out a new way around it, there is, there has to be that step of perspective almost and taking a step back where then you did realize that, hey, I can just go ask my girls and get their feedback and then move on. For you, what helps you take that step back and get perspective? I think for me, it's it's having a great coaching staff, you know, that you can kind of get their different opinions on. Obviously, they were all former players as well. Um, but also you and I had a lot of conversations over the season because you were closely following the season, you know, as best you could from Florida. Um, cause we talked daily, right? So how practice went, how games were going. Um, but you, you have the perspective that's a little bit from the outside, but however you have, you know, we share the same language. Um, you could help me maybe see a little bit differently, take a step back, which is really difficult to do when you're in those details of the season. Um, having someone with an outside perspective that speaks your, speaks your own language, I think was, was very, very helpful. Um, 
But then you also have the coaching staff that you're surrounded by every day that see the same things you do, that still have a different perspective um, that you can share with. So I think having other coaches to talk to is invaluable. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think the reason this popped into my head was I am a very analytical person and I would just like, oh, I can figure this out. I'll just think about it more. Right, <laughs> right. Really, as, as great as your thoughts and ideas and intentions may be, your brain is only capable of one perspective. So I think having that support system is huge. It is. And I think that too, you do want to be able to fix everything, but we don't, not one person knows everything. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's not any different than from a skill perspective, right? I, I wasn't a pitcher. I don't know anything about pitching and I don't, I don't pretend to. So that's why I have a pitching coach, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that those are, those are the types of perspectives that, especially as a head coach, sometimes it's kind of hard to, to admit or to say that I don't know everything because <laughs> you, is you want to be able to, to help and fix everything. But, um, like you said, revisit your why, why am I doing this? Right. And then having those people to talk to is just, is just really important. Oh, love that. So I guess let's recap. If you could give a few tips to coaches for, we're learning a little bit faster than we did because it took us years, right? What are the three most important things to you for implementing this consistently? Having a, a bank of resources, so to speak, to pull from. So you're not trying to find it every single day. Mm -hmm. um, because depending on the situation, you're going to need a different um, resource for the day. Um, definitely planning every single day. It's, it's, it's the planning and the effort that goes into the practice plan, um, which is easier to do if you have a bank to pull from, right. But making sure there's a deliberate message or deliberate topic for the day, um, that you clearly communicate to your kids as well. It has to be today, you know, we are going to focus on confidence. Here's an article to read about it. And then there, then spell out the drills that you're going to work on and make sure that they challenge the kids a little bit. Uh, and thirdly, is just you have to stick to it. You know, definitely have those uh, coaches to talk to um, if you feel like you're stuck. But make sure that it's that you stick to that process every single day because it does pay off. Absolutely, and it won't feel like that in the moment. <laughs> trust it won't. In there. It won't. Yeah. But that's the trust. You just have to stick with it. You do. You do. And I think that um, once you go through even one se one full season with it take that time to kind of reflect back on the season and, and realize that growth, you'll have even more confidence in yourself um, as a coach that, that what you're doing is working. Ah, love it. That is it for this week. Be sure to grab your free top 10 resources list at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash episode 15. When you've signed up for our list, you'll get all of these bonuses directly to your inbox each week. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with us. We hope you're enjoying the show. If so, we'd truly appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes or on our site at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash reviews. Let us know what you've learned and how you've implemented these tactics with your players. Thank you again for joining us. Keep an eye out for a bonus episode coming out soon where we chat with an awesome company whose product you've likely seen everywhere. Talk to you soon. Have a good one. <laughs>